Good evening and welcome to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church in New York City, a church that is committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in an atmosphere of love. Please join us this hour as Pastor Matthew Recker opens the Word of God and then brings others, including you, into the conversation. Tonight, we'll seek to have a dialogue that will glorify God and will show how the Bible is relevant to everyday life. Our desire is to lead people to salvation in Christ and encourage believers in their spiritual growth. Join us and build up your own heritage of faith. Welcome and happy Father's Day. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program hosted by Pastor Matthew Recker. My name is Micah and I'm the ministry assistant at Heritage. And tonight we are going to talk about a very famous father as we continue our series on Genesis chapters 1 through 11 called Back to the Beginning. We're going to be diving into the story of Noah tonight. So if you would like to join in the conversation or if you have questions or need someone to pray with, please give us a call. Our studio phone number is 929-333-3739. Pastor Matt, you're a father, and this week you have the chance to spend some time with at least one of your children. Did you have a nice trip out west? Yes, we did. Thank you for asking, Micah, as I guess we had a program that was just replayed replayed last last Sunday because Mm -hmm. I went to Lake Tahoe. My wife's brother has a home out there, And Lake Tahoe is amazing. It's really beautiful. And he has a home out there, and he's been asking us for years to go. So my wife and I went. My daughter came down from Seattle, Washington area, and then other family members on my wife's side came. There was like 11 of us in the house. I was just sitting on the porch one morning, and a big bear just walked right down the street with three precious little baby bear cubs it was so amazing <laughs> but then you know we saw the waterfalls and we got out on the water we spr- we sprinkled my dad's uh my step my step my wife's father's ashes on lake tahoe oh, okay. so it was really uh-huh. beautiful and we had a really nice family time and my daughter and it was great to see her yeah and uh so praise the lord and and how about you and and what are you thankful about regarding your parents yeah, um, you know, my dad, he's 78 years old, and he's like the energizer bunny. He doesn't want to stop. He says he's going to retire when he dies. So um, I just I just love that he's like, he, he, he's such an inspiration as far as like just going, going. He doesn't ever want to stop. He wants to continue helping people. But I think the, the biggest thing for me is that, um, you know, as an adult, I'm friends with my dad. So I yeah. love just like talking to my dad, asking him about the economy or the yeah. news or the Bible. You know, so yeah. I just really enjoy sitting down with my dad picking his brain. He always has like a really unique perspective. He He's very reasonable, very logical. He has history. So it's just great to talk to my dad. That's great that you have such a wonderful relationship with your, with your dad. And this evening we have with us one of the great brothers of Heritage Baptist Church who's been <laughs> in our church literally from like the early YMCA days. So, I mean, that was from the very start. Bill, yep. good to have you back. Great to be here. Yeah. And what are you thankful about your dad? Um, my dad was just a very good example of someone who's uh, committed, uh, faithful. He met my mother when he was still living at home while he was in college. So he went from living at home with his mother to then living under the same roof as my uh, as his wife, my mother. Uh, and that didn't change until she died four mm. years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and I also have a very good example of being a faithful man from my father-in-law who... In 1969, was a uh, an army truck driver in Belgium and met my mother-in-law, who was a secretary for NATO. And long story short, the thing that happens often when GIs go abroad happened. 
And instead of him just coming home like a lot of GIs did and forgetting about it, mm. he stepped up and, you know, he married her. And that's how I met my wife. Wow. Yeah. Well, years yeah. later. Yeah. But, yeah, he, he manned up. He took responsibility for his actions and the right. results of his actions mm-hmm. and didn't run from it. That's yeah, amazing. very good, very yeah. good. Well, praise God for Father's Day. And it is so important that we we celebrate fatherhood. We encourage fathers, especially in this day and age where our culture is trying to stamp out Mother's Day, Father's mm-hmm. Day, yeah. and the distinction of sexes. So we do thank God for our fathers. I thank God for my dad. You know, when I was a yeah. When I was a kid, he was my my Weeblo leader. You know, he was involved in. He was my little league teacher, yeah, uh, you coach, know, coach yeah. from and the different levels. You know, he was my farm league coach when I went up to the international league. Yeah. He was my coach when I went up to the major leagues. You know, yeah. And then when I went up into out of out of little league to an actual, you know, a regular sized baseball field, he was he was an umpire. Mm. And I remember one game, he was the umpire. And I was a catcher, and my brother came up to bat. Okay, <laughs> so, conflict of interest for my dad. You know, I wanted him to call a strike, and my brother wanted him to call a ball. But you know, he was there, and my mom was always there. So I do thank God for our dads on this Father's Day, and Happy Father's Day to everyone. And and maybe Father's Day is hard for you. Maybe your dad wasn't there for you, and our heart breaks for you on that. Or maybe you're a dad, and you just feel that you've not been faithful to your responsibilities as a dad and you want prayer maybe you need some encouragement maybe you just need somebody to bear your burden tonight about your father or about your being a father give us a call right now at 929-333-3739 we'd really like to pray with you we have some loving counselors here tonight who will uh, open up scripture pray with you encourage you and ask god to fill you with the holy spirit to make you that loving strong father who could lead your family or if you didn't have a father that you could look to the loving heavenly father Mm. and he can heal you of any hurt any abuse any abandonment Mm. that you have experienced from your earthly father you can come to a your heavenly father who will never leave you never forsake you and always love you amen yeah yeah so tonight we're going to look in genesis chapter 6 and verses 5 through 9 we're going to talk tonight about the heart of God for all the earth. And it's it, this theme we see in Genesis chapter 6 and verses 5 and 6 especially, where it says, God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And then it says, it repented the Lord that he had made man. So we're going to talk about that. What does it mean that God repents? Mm. And it grieved him at his heart. And so in this passage of Scripture, we see the earth is mentioned eight times, and so it's dealing about God's heart for the whole world. And so we want to look tonight at this passage of Scripture. We're going to read Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 through 9, and see the heart of God for all the earth. And Bill, why don't you start us out in our reading tonight? Mm -hmm. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace 
in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And let's pray. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just come to you on this Father's Day evening. And we thank you um, that you are our perfect Father, Lord. We thank you for all that you did, Lord, the grace that you showed us, Lord. We just pray that you bless this program. Bless each one of our listeners, Lord, no matter what their situation, Lord. And we just ask you, God, to let your word speak directly into the hearts of all those listening. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So everything that happens in these chapters describes the whole world. God is not talking locally in these verses when it says, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. That's his first pronouncement, that he is going to destroy the earth. And then we see the global catastrophe of a worldwide flood unfold in the following chapters. And we're going to look into that. So here's the introduction of God declaring that he is going to destroy the earth. And God as ruler, as sovereign, as king of all kings, he does not rule arbitrarily. Mm. He's not just making a, a rash decision here. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he doesn't rule immorally. God is not amoral. He is not making a, a, a wrong decision in this. It is the, absolutely what must be done to mm-hmm. preserve humanity and to fulfill his promise to bring the Messiah into the world. So in these verses, we see the heart of God, what he saw, what he felt, what he does, Mm. and how he shows grace, how he shows grace. So in the midst of this, we see grace, don't we? We see the grace of God in the life of Noah. So when we think about grace, and that's how we're all saved, as Noah was saved, (laughs) how did God show you his grace, Micah, Mm -hmm. in saving you from judgment? If you could just Mm -hmm. give us a few uh, thoughts about sure. that uh, well I was blessed to be born in a Christian family and I was saved at a young age and that's another thing that I'm really thankful mm-hmm. for regarding my dad that he was a strong Christian he instilled that in his kids uh, we're going through the book of Proverbs in Sunday sermons um, and you know my dad did a great job with that um, but in my later teenage did he years preach, he preached through Proverbs uh, you remember that as no, a child oh, oh, oh you mean he just did Bible exposition and Bible teaching. Well, and he lived it out. He lived, oh, and out, he the lived Proverbs, out the wisdom uh, of Proverbs. The wisdom of Proverbs okay. as you um, have yeah. been going through it. And, yeah. You okay. know, in my late, later teenage years, though, I wandered away from the Lord. I wasn't walking with him for the first 13 years of my adult life. I had moved to New York City at 18 and pretty much went my own way. But during that time, the Lord was very patient with me. He allowed me the time it took to realize that nothing in this world would ever fulfill me. In the process, he also allowed me to fall on my face a few mm. times, which was yeah. pretty necessary. But about the time I recognized that my way was a dead end, God had orchestrated things in my life which he used to really bring me back on track and bring me to him. So I'm just so thankful that we serve a very patient God full of grace. Amen, Micah. And praise God that he has brought you back to himself and brought you even to our church. I can't even express the blessing that you have been to Heritage Baptist Church and how you have been an instrument of of God's hand of and of his grace to really be a strength and a help to so many praise god oh, thanks, Pastor. and and bill like i said earlier really you know our church is 26 years old and there's not many left from the 26 <laughs> all 26 years but you are so we're thankful for you brother how did god show you his grace in saving you hmm. well i remember being like micah i grew up in a, a 
home where I was, you know, going to Sunday school, and I remember some of my earliest memories were, you know, reading the Bible around the Christmas tree and things like that. But mm. uh, of course, when I started going to public school, I was taught all kinds of other things, and by yeah. the time I was a teenager, I was convinced that it was not true in the Bible. Mm. And then when I went to college and I really started to learn how the world works, uh, I was like, wow, it's like corruption is just kind of the norm mm. and that's just acceptable, you know, yeah. and it's just, it's, there's so, there was just so many things about how the world worked that, uh, was not the way you were told it was working, hmm. yeah. but just, that's just what it was. And I remember just standing in the middle of campus, like when it dawned on me, wow, the Bible is true. Hmm. Like man is corrupt. Hmm. Like you know, we we put this we put laws in place, and then people just try to do everything they can to get around it. And if you have enough money and enough power, then laws don't mean anything. Yeah, you know that became obvious once once you start to learn about some things in, about history. Mm. And yeah. so I was just like, wow. Like, and I thought, what if I were one of these billionaires who had so much power? Yeah, I'd be really tempted. You know, to think the same way. Yeah. You know, I'd be thinking, oh, well, I have the power to do this, so this is what's right. You know, yeah. do what's right in my mind. But isn't it something when you became a teenager, you you had the pride. And what is it mm. about being a teenager you think you know everything? <laughs> you know, you, that you, <laughs> as a teenager, so yeah. a teenager sitting in judgment of the Word of God. Yeah. <laughs> just, just think of that. And you weren't alone. I think I know I did as well. Yeah. I became an atheist. When I was a teenager, like, I knew enough to be an atheist. I mean, what a fool. What a fool, you know. But God is gracious. God shows us his grace. And I I remember when I was at Clemson University doing drugs, rock and roll, doing my own thing, a persistent, loving young man knocked on my door and didn't give up on me. And later on, he told me I was like the last person on his list <laughs> that he even wanted to come and talk to. Oh, wow. I mean, he, he just felt that there was no hope in even trying to bring hmm. the gospel to me. But the persistent love of a soul winner, even though he saw me as helpless, <laughs> and, and God saved me. And I'm so thankful for the persistent love of that soul winner, which modeled the persistent love of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And that's the only reason I'm here tonight, by the grace of God. We're all here by the grace of Jesus Christ. Dear friends, do you know the grace of Jesus Christ? Do you know for sure that if you were to die today, that you have eternal life? One of the realities of life is that if you die without Jesus Christ, you will die and go to hell, dear friends. And we don't want that for anyone. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. This passage here says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And if we're ever going to be saved, it will only be by grace. For by grace are we saved through faith, that not of yourselves. Grace means we're saved through God's gift that we could never deserve. Unmerited favor. So give us a call tonight if you have any questions about your salvation or if we can encourage you and pray with you if you're not saved. Give us a call right now at 929-333-3739. So let's look into this passage, the heart of God for all the earth. And we see, first of all, what God saw in verse 5. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. So, Bill, what did God see as he evaluates the human race. How does God evaluate the human heart here and why? 
Well, it made me think of uh, your message uh, in service this morning about, you know, seeking wisdom mm. first. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely not what they were doing. They were seeking just the carnal things and material things mm. in life. And I guess I can only imagine how back then it was like the Wild West, <laughs> like your trip you just took. But instead of the Wild West and Gold Rush, it was the whole earth. Yeah, the whole earth. And I can world. imagine just how people, you know, suddenly people are finding themselves on this earth and then they can go out and basically conquer all these virgin lands there wasn't much standing in their way and Mm. so anything was possible Mm -hmm. um and you know i can just imagine that uh, they weren't they weren't thinking at all about eternity Mm. they had so much uh material promise in front of them that they could probably just be like like anything with with man when 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 there's an abundance of it yeah uh it becomes less valuable, and then you seek more and more of it to satisfy. Hmm. And so I can only imagine they were like, like they're just a, an orgy of everything. It's like the narcissistic heart of man here. It says every imagination of the thoughts of his heart. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And as it says in, even in Proverbs, there is a way in man's heart that he thinks he's going right and he's doing right, but the end thereof is the way of death. Yeah, and we know that God can see all things at all times, but there's a number of times in the Bible where God specifically says that he looks upon humanity and evaluates the situation. And we can just imagine him looking down at us from heaven. And he does this when the Tower of Babel was built. He did it when the sin of Sodom became grievous. There's really a colorful example of God looking down at humanity in Psalm chapter 2. And this is the first example of it here in Genesis chapter 6. And in each of those cases, God sees a people who are filled with wickedness. As you said, Pastor, verse 5 says, Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And in pointing out man's heart, the Bible is completely consistent, saying that that is where the evil comes from, the heart. And this verse actually reminds me of the words of Jesus in Matthew 15, verse 19, where it says, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. Mm. The heart is filled with wickedness, and it's what God saw in the people of Noah's day when he looked down. Yeah, and I think of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, where it says, Neither is there any creature that is not... Man, that is that is not manifest in his sight. In other words, God sees everything, mm. even as He sees every He sees every heart, mm-hmm. He sees every thought, mm-hmm. and He knows the imaginations of man. He knows the connivings of man. He knows what ma- what the 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 thoughts man is forming that will then work themselves out into earthly life, into material life. Mm-hmm. is really the idea because really the the word imagination there in the original language has a connection to pottery and and the potter and you know how the scripture says that God is the potter and we're the clay and mm-hmm. he's fashioned us from the dust mm-hmm. and so we should be ha- have a heart of submission to God mm-hmm. To follow him as our potter. We're just the clay. We're just the pottery. He's the potter, the master potter. But the idea here is the imagination is that man is the potter of his own life. And he's imagining thoughts and then living them out. Mm-hmm. But the, what he's living out is repulsive to God. Mm-hmm. It's, it's revolting to God. And again, as it says in Hebrews chapter 4, 
it says that every creature is manifest in his sight and all things are naked and open to the eyes of him with whom we have to do and so man has to face god here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i also think of in some of the prophets you know it talks about you know god sends out horses and horsemen to patrol the whole earth or in ezekiel it talks about the rings filled with eyes and i'm not sure that i fully mm. understand all that but it's just that uh, yeah. the eyes of god are over the whole earth at all times he sees yeah. us yeah, and this also speaks of God evaluating our motives, our intentions, and when it says every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And what did what did Jeremiah say? The great prophet says that every that the heart is desperately wicked, wicked mm-hmm. and who can know it? Well, who can know it? God. God. Knows. Yeah, mm-hmm. God yeah. knows it. And so if God knows every thought and mm-hmm. intention and motive of our heart, just think of that knowledge. Yeah. That's infinite knowledge. Mm-hmm. God is all-knowing, dear friends, and we have to do with him. God sees your life. God sees your actions. God sees your works. God sees your heart tonight. Does he see faith? Does he see that you love the Lord from your heart, dear friends? And again, if we could pray with you, if there's a dark cloud in your heart, if there's become, if darkness has overcome your heart and the direction of your life and heart is, is not pleasing to God right now, we'd love to pray with you. Give us a call at 929-333-3739. So, Micah, how does the wickedness that God sees on the earth in, in Noah's day, mm-hmm. and Jesus said that as it was in the days of Noah, yeah. as if history repeats itself, yeah. right? Yeah. So how does the wickedness that God sees on the earth in Noah's day remind us even of the first coming of Christ into the world and the second coming of Christ? Mm-hmm. Well, there does seem to be an ebb and flow of the level of wickedness described at any point in the Bible. There were times, for instance, when at least the people of Israel were serving God faithfully. But then there are other times where even God's people have abandoned him. And those who were supposed to exemplify righteousness have become entrenched in wickedness. So in Noah's day, the Bible tells us that most everybody was participating in this serious rebellion against the Creator. So God commanded Noah to build an ark and save his family as a faithful remnant And from there, they would go out and repopulate the earth, and we'll get there. But one indication that things weren't totally dissimilar in the days of Jesus was that even the religious leaders had become wicked and corrupt, as Bill was saying, Mm. uh, corruption just permeated. And think about it. The priests of God were so far from God that they didn't even recognize God when he came in human flesh, which is why he had to come. So just as God saved a remnant of humanity with Noah and the ark, in a time of great wickedness, Jesus saved a faithful remnant in his day, in the first century, and through that sacrifice of his sin, I mean, sorry, his death and resurrection, that remnant quickly multiplied in Christianity and spread throughout the whole earth. Yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ did come the first time in very dark times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Israel was being ruled by Rome. The religious institutions, as you said, Micah, had become very corrupt. Mm-hmm. And Jesus Christ came right in the midst of all of that corruption mm. and even the temple the temple which yeah. was a place of prayer and yeah. worship yeah. and praise to god mm-hmm. was a place of just devastating 
uh, greed, and Jesus Christ had to cleanse it once, cleanse it twice, you know. Yeah. And I'm sure the greed came back after yeah. he even cleansed it a second time. <laughs> and, and yet he took the sins of the world on his body, on the cross, and then bodily rose again. And he will save all who call upon him. And so God intervenes. I think that's the, mm-hmm. that, that's the mm-hmm. thing that's an amazing thing to me, is God raises up, if you will, a way for the world to find safety from the storm, mm-hmm. from the judgment. And yeah. he raised up Noah to build the ark. He brought in Jesus Christ in the world, and we can find ourselves in him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it makes me think of, you know, I, when I think of the world that Jesus came to, mm-hmm. and then you, that started Christianity. Um, and you had the apostles that were, traveled all around, and they they wrote the Gospels, and those Gospels became treasured by the people and the churches that they wrote to and then you fast forward a few hundred years and you have the dark ages and then Gutenberg makes the printing press yeah. and the first thing he printed was the Bible, the Bible. Yeah. and then uh, I guess it became I'm not sure how long after that that the biggest church so called Christian church uh, won't mention by name basically made it a practice of not allowing their people to read it and only reading it in a language that was older. You mean Nobody the, used it anymore. You mean the Roman Catholic yeah. Church? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, you know, for a while you had this normalization of culture, yeah. of b- understanding at least Christianity from a, uh, from a good perspective. Yeah. And then now we're looking at it today where it's like more and more and more people are being taught and raised to think that the Bible is bad. Mm. And that rebelling against it and everything that it says from every possible angle is good. So yeah. it's almost like it, I can imagine that if depending on how long things go on, it could be worse than than Noah's day where everybody besides Noah and his family. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm imagining there are going to be there will be still more believers clinging yeah. thanks to God's word being yeah. the biggest bestseller in the world. But it's it's nuts how people are really emboldened now they they really feel it's their duty yeah to be anti-christian mm. yeah you can't just not be christian right. you got to be anti-christian mm. that's yeah. what they think <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah that that's a shame but it's true and we we're a culture that has gone further and further away from the word of god and from our savior jesus christ but dear friends god is always at work yeah and he's saving souls and we're looking forward to our baptism. We're having a baptism next week. And people have come to Christ in our church. Not a huge number, but some. Mm-hmm. And God is at work and saving people. And dear friends, he'll save you tonight if you call out to him. We're going to play a song right now. The song is entitled, He Looked Beyond My Faults and Saw My Need. Never think that you're beyond the hope of the grace of God. God can reach out extend his grace and save you tonight today if you will call upon his name whosoever will call upon the name of the lord shall be saved and he will look beyond all your sin and he will see your need and he will forgive you so give us a call as we go to the song right now dear friends at 929-333-3739 we would really love for you to pick that phone up right now And give us a call and let us pray with you at 929-333-3739. On the other side of the song, we're going to talk about how God repents and what does it mean that God repents. Amazing grace shall always be my song of praise, for it was grace. 
God, when he, by grace, looks beyond our fault and he sees our need, Jesus loves you tonight, dear friend, and he says, come unto me. And we'd love to have you visit our church. Now, listen carefully. On June 26th, and June 26th alone, and we say this to our listeners because we have invited you to our church, but we want you to come to the right place on June 26th, because next week is a certain parade, the Gay Pride Parade, and pride is always bad, so I don't understand why they call it gay pride, right? Mm-hmm. Pride is not a good thing. We ne- need never humility. in the Bible is no, pride a good thing. No, yeah. no. But there's a parade next week, so we're not going to have our service at our normal meeting place at PS3 for only June 26th. But we'd love to have you come to our church on June 26th, but come to our Heritage office at either 10 a.m. or 12 p.m. at 633 3rd Avenue. 633, as in Matthew 633, seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's the number. 633, 3rd Avenue, between 40 and 41st Street in 
Manhattan. That's near Grand Central Station. So if you're coming on Metro North, get off at Grand Central Station. If you're coming from New Jersey, you could take the PATH train to 33rd Street, and you can walk. It's a little bit of walk, but it's going to be nice weather. But we'd love to have you come on June 26th to 633 3rd Avenue between 40 and 41st Street. We're Suite 13E. But then every Sunday after that, we're at PS3, just to be clear. Was that clear? That was clear. Okay, Mm -hmm. very good. So let's look, as we continue in this passage, we just considered what God saw in verse 5, the corruption of man's heart. Now let's see what God felt and the intention of God. Because of man's sin, Micah, Mm -hmm. what is God's response here? And it does say that it it repented God Mm -hmm. in his heart. How is it possible that God can repent? I thought only man repents when they do something wrong. Yeah. I, well, this is a great question and a real head-scratcher because we don't usually think of God as someone who repented. But there it is. In verse 6, it says, And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And verse 7 goes on to quote the Lord where he says, For it repenteth me that I have made them. So it's pretty important to understand what this word means. So the word repenteth is the Hebrew word nacham, and it appears 108 times in the Old Testament. And all but one time, nachem is either translated repent or comfort. Mm. And those two words sound very different. That sounds comfort. like the name of the prophet, nachem. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, na- yeah right. it does mm-hmm. sound like nachem. Yeah. Um, I have to look that up. I think, that's, that's, I think that, that maybe his name means okay. comfort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So comfort and repent, they sound very different. But as you read over the verses where this... Uh, this word is used, I think the best way to paraphrase it would be a change in attitude or action. So if I'm upset about something and then I'm comforted, I have a change in attitude and I feel different and I act different. So God had a change of attitude and action toward the men in Noah's day. So God finally decided after centuries and centuries of patience and after seeing the wickedness of man grow exponentially throughout the earth to have a change in his attitude and action toward his creatures. Mm. And we could say this as well, because God is God. He never changes, right? God right. is immutable. Yeah. So because God never changes, yeah. he repents, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> which doesn't sound possible. Right. But God changes his attitudes toward men when men change their attitude toward him. Right. So God does not repent the way man repents. Mm-hmm. God is not a man that he should repent. Because God does not do evil, so God does not repent as man must repent. Man must repent when we do evil. God doesn't do evil, so God doesn't repent as a man. Man repents, we must repent, when we're out of line with God's nature and character. To put ourselves back in line and consistent with God's nature and character, to live in obedience to Him. That's why we repent. God repents... To remain consistent with his character. In other words, if he just let sin go on and his promise not be fulfilled of sending a Messiah, God would not be true. Mm. God would not be true to his word. Exactly. See, so God has to repent because he doesn't change. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really fun study, actually. I was just I was reading over those verses, as I said. Um, as I was preparing for this, and it's a really interesting study to read. If you want to go on blueletterbible.com, um, look up that word yeah. in verse 6 here. Yeah. Uh, just look up that word. You'll see a lot of verses. Yeah, we're going to look at a few of those verses in just a moment, but I want to say one other thing uh-huh. about repentance. We 
must, must all rejoice because God repents. Mm. Because we were born sinners. Right. And we were under condemnation mm-hmm. in our sin. Yeah. We were under the condemnation of God. Mm-hmm. So if I died without Christ being under condemnation, I would have gone to hell. Right. But when I believed in Jesus, in a sense, God repents. He changed his attitude and his actions toward me. Mm. No longer am I under condemnation. Now he's going to take the believing sinner to heaven. Mm. So, And we ought to rejoice that God repents because we're going to maybe look at one of those examples that yeah. God answers prayer. Mm-hmm. God changes his... You know, every time God answers prayer, he's changing his attitude and his action of what he was going to do. Yeah. So, so that God repents means he saves souls. Yeah. It means he answers prayer. So we can re- actually, we must rejoice that God repents because every time a soul repents and believes the gospel, God changes his purpose for that man. No longer is that man hellbound, but he's heavenbound when he trusts and believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's look at a few other examples of God repenting, Bill, and how is this language of God repenting used in in another scripture? So one of the, uh, I guess it might be the next instance of that in scripture is uh, in Exodus. So after the Israelites were miraculously brought out of Egypt and and captivity in Egypt, uh, and they were in the wilderness with Moses and making golden calves and mm, doing all these yeah. other things. And I, 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 this was uh, just after the Ten Commandments had been given. And uh, God was thinking that he he was just tired of them constantly backsliding and turning their backs on him and, and just living as the rest of the world and, and not even remembering mm-hmm. uh, the miraculous mm-hmm. rescue from <laughs> captivity. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'll actually so it's in Exodus thirty two fourteen, but I'll back it up with just a couple of verses. Uh, so Moses was talking to God, saying, "Wherefore should the wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, for mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth?" And so Moses says, to "God, turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants." To whom thou swearest by thine own self, and said unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. Hmm. And another translation says that, So the Lord changed his mind about the terrible disaster that he had threatened to bring on his people. Yeah, so God does not change in his nature Mm -hmm. and in his character. But in answer to prayer, he changes his actions toward what he will do and treat and how he will treat man. Mm -hmm. So God repents in answering prayer. Prayer is powerful. Yeah. And one other example (laughs) one other example of the Lord repenting or changing his attitude and action is found in the book of Jonah. So after the reluctant prophet preached Mm -hmm to the people of Nineveh, proclaiming that God was going to destroy their city, the Ninevites truly changed their attitude and action themselves. They put on sackcloth and ashes, and everyone from the king all the way down to the livestock, they all fasted, repenting from their wicked ways. And then Jonah 3 verse 10 says, And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. 
So, again, God didn't change, but his attitude and actions towards the people changed when they turned to him. So it's important to remember that though God, you know, he actually knows the end from the beginning, and he foresaw that the people of Nineveh would repent, just like he foresaw the wickedness of those in Noah's day. And it's important to remember, Pastor, as you keep pointing out, Malachi three six, for I am the Lord, I change not. Yeah, and again, maybe someone under the sound of our voice tonight, maybe you're on your job, maybe you're driving a car, maybe you're at at work as a security guard, maybe you're in prison. I know that the radio station reaches into prisons, Hmm. and maybe you've lived such a life that you, you think to yourself, God could never save me. God could never forgive me for all what I have done. But do you know what, dear friend? If you repent Mm -hmm. and you turn to Jesus Christ, and if you believe that Jesus Christ's blood shed on the cross was for your sins and that what he did satisfies the justice of God, because what he did does satisfy the justice of God, Mm -hmm. Jesus paid it all. Yeah. So that you and I don't have to suffer on the cross for our uh, suffer and die in hell for our sins. Mm-hmm. Jesus suffered on the cross so that we don't have to suffer in hell for our sins, dear friends. And if you turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, he will have mercy on you and he will save you. And God will repent in that way. And that, that's what reminds me in Judges chapter 2 and verse 18. It says, when the Lord raised them up judges, then the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge, for repented the Lord because of their groanings by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. So maybe you feel oppressed in your spirit and vexed in your spirit, but you're groaning and you want to experience God's grace. God will repent. He will have mercy and grace upon you, dear friends. So give us a call right now at 929-333-3739. Our hearts are enlarged to you this evening. We know that God is a holy God, a God of of judgment. He is the rock. His work is perfect. All His ways are judgment. And we are going to see this in Genesis 6, 7, 8 with the worldwide flood. Mm. But God is a God of grace, and He will have mercy upon you. Call us right now at 929 Three three three, three seven, three nine. So we're looking tonight at the heart of God for all the earth. We are, we've seen first of all what God saw, the corruption of man's heart, what God felt, the intention of God, and that He repents, and He is now deciding to destroy the earth. And now, what will God do? He will send judgment, dear friends. So, Micah, what does God declare? his intention to be because of man's great sin. Yeah, well, there is nothing subtle about these verses. God simply going to wipe out every living thing from the earth. The Lord says, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creepy thing and the fowls of the air. And, you know, our knee-jerk reaction may be to ask, well, how could a loving God do such a thing? But we have to remember at least two things. Uh, One is that we weren't there. There's a good chance that the wickedness in Noah's day was much worse than even in our day. It was the worst of the worst was normal behavior back then. So that's one thing to remember. And the second thing to remember is, you know, on our last program, we mentioned the strong possibility that fallen angels had commingled 
with human mm. women tainting the human gene pool. So again, the idea is that almost all of the gene pool may have been corrupted at that point. So in order for humanity to even go on, and in order for the Messiah, Jesus Christ, to come as a man, as a human, the corrupted genes had to be destroyed. So there are things that we don't know about Noah's time. There are things that we do know about Noah's time, but we know that God is just and he is perfect. Amen. Mm-hmm. And dear friends, here it is. God says, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. And even though God loved those men, things have become so corrupt. God had Remember what God had told Adam and Eve? Be fruitful and multiply. And multiply. Yeah. Uh-huh. Replenish the earth. Yeah. But what did man fill the earth with? Wickedness. <laughs> Wickedness yeah. and corruption. Yeah. And, and so God says, I'm going to destroy the earth that I have created. Mm. Wow. Mm -hmm. That must hurt the heart of God. And it does. It says, for it grieved him at his heart. Oh, my. That's a real burden that we don't want any one of us. We don't want to grieve the heart of God. No. You know, I love where it says in the the prophet says that God rejoices over them with singing. That's an amazing verse. Mm -hmm. God sings over people who are loving toward him, rejoicing in him, recognizing him as their loving God and and Lord. But here it grieves the heart of God for the whole earth. And only one man and his family of eight will will be saved through the flood. So why don't we go to a song here? And it's it's a really powerful song. I played it a couple weeks ago, but I love it. And I know you're going to love this song, dear friend. Nothing ever can. Nothing ever will. God is powerful. God is great. Call us right now at 929-333-3739. This is the Heritage of Faith Conversation. You can also give us a call if you'd like to join this conversation on the other side of the phone of, of this beautiful song we're about to have.
Micah and Bill, that song really summarizes this passage of Scripture. Mm -hmm. In darkness, Mm -hmm. but nothing ever can, nothing ever will overcome the Lord our God. He wins, even when he destroys the whole earth, because he saved Noah and his family, Mm -hmm. and his promise is preserved. Mm. So let's look tonight, lastly, how God still shows grace in verses 8 through 11. And uh, Micah, why don't you just break down, if you could, for us a little bit, verses 9 and 10, and how is Noah described in these verses? Okay, so uh, I'll back up to 8. So, and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. So I saw four main things about Noah in these verses. First of all, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So those eyes of the Lord that we talked mm. about, uh, were the same eyes that were looking down on humanity earlier in the passage and seeing all of that wickedness, um, God decided to bring judgment to the entire earth, but Noah alone found God's saving grace. And the second thing we see uh, was, number two, Noah was a just man in the world. So even though the earth was filled with evil and injustice, Noah was a light in the darkness. And he wasn't sinless. Nobody except Jesus ever was, but Noah did seek to live a righteous life and a holy life. Uh, the third thing that we see in this, uh, these verses are Noah was perfect in his generations. Now, either this is repeating the idea that Noah was a righteous man, or, as we mentioned in our last program, this could mean that Noah was one of very few, maybe mm. even the only one who still had pure, uncorrupted human genetics. And uh, the fourth thing that we see is the text says that Noah walked with God. And this speaks of Noah's relationship with the Lord, He was close to God, communing with him regularly. And we remember that before Noah, there was his great-great-grandfather Enoch who walked with the Lord. And before that, Adam and Eve had walked with God in the Garden of Eden. Yeah. Thank you, Micah. That was really excellent. And, And I agree with you that where it says perfect in his generations indicates that his seed had not mingled with the seed of those fallen angels. And also that word perfect Mm -hmm. is used to speak of unblemished sacrificial animals Mm. that were were properly used for sacrifice. So Noah was a living sacrifice Mm. for the Lord, and he walked with God. And then I also thought, you know how Enoch walked with God, and God took him. (laughs) But Noah walked with God, and Noah's like, why don't you get me out of here too, Lord? (laughs) But you know... 
God has different plans for different people, right? Yeah. And it doesn't mean that Enoch was better than Noah or Noah was better than Enoch. God right. just had a different plan and purpose for them. Yeah. So our job is to walk with God and let the results be with the Lord and just be faithful. Yeah. So, Bill, as we come to the end of the program, as we see how Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, what would you tell some of our listeners tonight how they can find this grace in the eyes of the Lord today? I guess it starts with wanting to find it. Um, you know, we all can see that the world doesn't necessarily work out the way we want. We all can see that there's corruption in the world. It's becoming more and more apparent. And, of course, people can say, well, it's always been that way. But, um, you know, if if we have to remember, two of the biggest objections that people commonly have are, uh, why does God allow suffering? And then also, well, it's been 2,000 years since Jesus was here. He's yeah. not coming back. Mm. We have to remember that uh, it was in Second Peter, uh, which the verse is... Uh, We're not going to have time, eight. brother. Oh, yeah. Be yeah, not okay. ignorant of this one thing, that one Amen. day is with the Lord is a 1,000 years, a 1,000 years is one day. So repenting today has yes. a lot to do with where your eternity can be. That's right. So it doesn't matter what we've been through, what we've done, how long we've been suffering, how long we've seen unjust things go on. Today is the day. Thank you, Bill. Thank you so much. Thank you, Micah, for being here. Thank you, call screeners on the other side. Dear friends, the heart of God is a heart of grace. Abraham, Paul, Noah, all saved by grace. Thank you for tuning in to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program. To find out more about Heritage Baptist Church and our service times and locations, visit our website at hbcnyc.org. We stream multiple services online each week, including 11 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7.15 p.m. Wednesday nights. All are welcome, and you can find links to participate in our services on our website hbcnyc.org and join us again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for another Heritage of Faith conversation sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church. Until then, rejoice in the Lord.